can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Testing, 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 testing. Ah! Hi, everybody, and welcome to Testing Thursdays with Wayne Ivasich. Hope everybody's had uh, a good time, a good week so far, and a very productive week. Uh, today, we're going to be touching base about uh, one of the odd tests that you're probably not doing on a regular basis, but should be, and that's calcium hardness. All water regardless of where what the source is or what you're doing with it, has some level of calcium hardness to it. Even the water we drink has a certain level of cal- calcium hardness. And in the pool and spa realm, the calcium hardness factor um, is, is has a very, very important job. Um, because calcium uh, can come out of solution very easily sometimes, what it does is that it it forms a, um, a very thin protective layer on the inside of the pipes in your system. Uh, I Notice I were, used the word protective layer. Now, the problem comes about if that if you have too much calcium hardness, it will deposit, come out of solution, and reduce the diameter of the flow that's going through the pipe. And just like too many cheesesteak subs on our arteries, um, you can have too much calcium deposit inside that pipe, reducing the diameter of the flow, and you get essentially a pool heart attack. Uh, Not a good thing. Um, Excessive calcium hardness can also appear as streaks in the wall, rough spots, because normally, remember, a pool side or a spa, I'm going to say pool now, um, has a relatively smooth finish to it, uh, regardless of whether it's fiberglass, you know, vinyl, uh, gunite, whatever, has a relatively smooth surface. Okay, if you ever run your hand across that surface and you start feeling rough spots, like just like sandpaper, or you visually see white streaking in there or white deposits, 99% of the time that's going to be calcium coming out of solution. And when does it come out of solution? Well, Calcium hardness is weird. <laughs> just simply that. It's just weird. Um, and it comes out of solution in hotter water. It loves hot water. It loves to come out in, hello, spas and hot tubs. Okay. Um, the, more, the hotter the water, the more calcium comes out of solution. It can cloud the water. It can cause these deposits. I mean, a lot of the spas I've seen over the years, yeah, they're pretty cloudy because the hardness level was too high. Or in some cases where people are are waterfalling uh, pool water into the spa and the pool water, a relatively normal temperature, 78 to 82-ish degrees, um, 
is fine for calcium harness, but once it gets into the heated situation of a spa, boom, you've got cloudy water or streaking or deposits. Um, and it and it's it is it's just weird. It's kind of like think of iced tea, okay, unsweetened iced tea, and you add sugar to that unsweetened iced tea, okay. Um, and what happens is that if you add sugar to it, it takes a good deal of mixing to get it to dissolve. Okay. Now, hot tea, not so much. It dissolves very, very quickly. So think of that that concept. So let's talk about how to test for calcium harness, and we'll talk about all the other things involved with it. Well, testing for calcium harness is is almost a twin to how we test for total alkalinity. It's a drop test. It's a titration. Uh, so you're counting in, in most cases. So you're counting the number of drops it takes to go from one color to another color. So it, it, there's a little bit extra involved in this, uh, but not that much so. So you get your sample of water and you add to it a buffer. Um, and the reason you're doing this is that in order to get the right color development, you need to raise the pH of your sample pretty high to like a pH of 11 or 12. That's why you're adding so much calcium hardness buffer to the water. Uh, after you've added the required amount, then you add your indicator, however many drops the instructions say, and your sample should go a very pretty red color. Okay. Then you take your third reagent called the titrant, and you're adding that drop by drop swirling between each drop until it goes to a beautiful cloudless blue sky color. Okay. Remember as a kid, I used to get sky blue snowballs and it was, that was the color. It was blue. Um, but yeah, sky blue, the number of drops it took to go from red to blue times the equivalence factor. And that's your answer. In most cases it's 10. So if it took 10 drops to go from red to blue, 10 times 10 is 100. Your answer is 100 parts per million. Pretty simple testing. What's the ideal range for calcium hardness? Well, 200 to 400 for pool water is the ideal range. For spa water, it's a little bit lower. It's 150 to 250 parts per million. Now, I'll explain that difference in, in, in a few minutes, but let, let's go back to, to the whole testing thing. Now, what can screw up a calcium hardness test? Well, believe it or not, high chlorine or bromine or halogen doesn't. Uh, it's the only thing that doesn't um, uh, interfere with it. What does interfere with it is the presence of metals in the water, typically copper and or iron, sometimes manganese if your area is prevalent in that, if your source water is particularly from a well. What will happen is instead of one of two things will happen. Either your sample will go immediately purple after you add your indicator, or it will start off as red, and then all of a sudden this great color appears as you're adding that titrant. It's like a grape Kool-Aid-ish kind of color. Think of grape popsicles kind of thing. And you're scratching going, and going, what the hell is going on here? Well, it's because there's metals in the water that you wouldn't normally see because the metal ions are soluble in the water. You don't see them usually. Okay. So how do you correct that interference? Well, this is pretty simple, um, but it does carry a step to it. So you get a new sample, okay? And this is where the weirdness happens. You're going to take that third reagent, that titrant, 
the one that you were counting the drops of, okay, you're going to add about, oh, five drops of that first. Okay, so add five drops first of the titrant and mix it around. Then do the test exactly like the instructions say until it goes from red to blue. But add the number of drops you added of the titrant first to your total drop count. So let, let me give you an example. Say you added that five drops of the titrant first in the beginning. And you did your test and it took you 150, uh, excuse me, it took you 15 drops to go from red to blue, but you're not done. You add to that 15 drops the five you added in the beginning. So your total drop count is actually 20. So 20 times the drop equivalence factor, which is typically 10, is your value, is your answer. 20 times 10 is 200. Okay. Now, why are you doing this is probably the most important question and difficult for some people to get. The number 12 titrant has in it something called a, a sequestering agent. It's called EDTA, ethylene, diamine, triamino, ethanol. You'll be quizzed on that later. Uh, and what that does is that it actually hides the metal ions in your sample so that the rest of the color change can occur. Okay, it doesn't get rid of them. They're still there. They're just hidden. It's, it's being prevented from coming out and affecting your test by the presence of the sequestering product in the water. Okay, so a little bit of an extra step. Um, but again, it's, it's a necessary step. Now, uh, metals, copper, greater than 0 0.3 parts per million, iron greater than 0 0.2 parts per million, and manganese greater than 0 0.2 parts per million can affect the test. So if your source water is from a well, it's pretty likely that you're going to have metals in the water, uh, unless you're very, very, very lucky. In most municipal water systems, there are no metals or so low of a level that it's not going to affect anything. Perfect example is where I am. I'm on Baltimore City water, even though I'm about mm, 25 miles northeast of the city. I'm at the last point that you can get Baltimore City water. But anyhow, in Baltimore City water, um, potable water out of the tap, my copper level is like 0 0.005. It's so tiny. It's it's not even worthy thinking about. And you'll see that often, too, in um, infrastructures, uh, municipal infrastructures that have been around for a while. So, you know, Baltimore's been around for a while, as, are, as most of the cities from, say, Richmond on up to Boston, um, our infrastructures are very, very old. And a lot of times... You're going to see popper, popper, right? Copper piping, not popper piping. Uh, copper piping or iron piping used. And um, again, they have, they have a life to them. And you probably have read a lot of stories over the years about, you know, um, water main breaks and whatnot. And it's probably because the piping is old and probably cracked uh, after, you know, 100 years or so in use. Um, but these really, really low levels do not uh, interfere. Now, there's some other kind of sanitizing systems called ionizers. These would be things like the frog system, nature tube, things like that, that deliver um, silver and copper ions into the water. Um, silver and copper are, are excellent natural algicides, not sanitizers, but they're algicides. 
and they deliver a little bit of copper into the water itself. Again, at a level that's not going to interfere with your calcium hardness test. It just simply doesn't. Okay, so don't worry about that. So the only thing that's going to, again, mess up a calcium hardness test is metals in the water. Yay! Okay. Now, you have to be careful with this. If you're testing spa water, okay, collect your sample and let it sit for a couple minutes. Because the hotter the water, more calcium comes out of solution, like we talked about earlier. And you're not going to be able to get a real clear, definitive color change from that red to pretty sky blue color. Just let it sit for a couple of minutes in a small sample vial. It doesn't take very long to cool down. You want to make sure that the sample temperature is under 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Then test the water. Once it's below 90, then you're good to go with calcium hardness. Uh, how do we deal with raising and lowering calcium hardness? Well, uh, with calcium hardness, you add calcium chloride to the water. Lots and lots of calcium chloride. Using some of the examples we've used in in past, if you have a 10,000-gallon pool, my trusty Taylor treatment charts, um, for 10,000-gallon a pool, and you just want to raise your calcium hardness level 10 parts per million, you're adding a hair over a pound of calcium chloride. Uh, if you were raising at 50 parts per million, you add about six pounds of calcium chloride. Now, calcium chloride is a tricky little chemical because, uh, of course, when, when, you're, when you're adding product to water to an effect a treatment, you always add the product to water, never the reverse, because you don't want splashback, obviously. Okay, so... You very slowly add the calcium chloride and constantly mix. And calcium chloride will heat up. Okay, so you're not going to dump all the amount in at one time and start mixing. You're going to do a little bit at a time until it's pre-mixed and then pour it into the pool in front of a return line so you can get it all the way through and raise it that way. Generally, you should wait about a turnover before you retest because it can take that long to get throughout the entire filtration and piping system in the pool or spa. In the pool, rather, spas turnover rates are very short, usually 15 minutes to a half an hour pool spa. Uh, the ideal turnover rates are six to eight hours, depending upon your pump and size and, and all that other stuff. Somebody else could talk about that. Anyhow, so you've added calcium chloride to raise calcium harness. What do you do to lower it? Uh, here comes the problem. There is really known, no, no known treatment chemical that will dramatically, notice the word, dramatically, lower calcium harness readings. Doesn't exist. The only way that you can lower a calcium harness reading dramatically is by draining the water partially and adding water of a lower calcium harness level. Yeah, it's a bite you in the ass kind of thing. Uh, so draining and refilling with the lower amounts is the only way to do it. Now, there are some stain and scale controlling products that might reduce it a little. But when you're talking calcium hardness, reducing it a little is not what you're shooting for. You're going to need to reduce it a lot. And that leads to another discussion. What's a lot of calcium hardness? Well, like I said earlier, ideally the range for calcium hardness should be between 200 and 400 parts per million for pools and 150 to 250 parts per million for spas. Let me explain why that is first. 
and has everything to do with temperature of the water. Okay, remember earlier I talked about calcium hardness likes to come out of solution in hot water. Okay, hello, spa. Okay, so if you keep a smaller amount of calcium hardness in spa water, hot spa water, the, the propensity for that calcium hardness to come out of solution and cloud the water stamen scale is lower than it would be in pool water. What's too high calcium hardness? It's going to really depend. Um, and that's where water balance kind of falls into play. And I'll talk about water balance in, in a separate broadcast. But um, let me give you some, some interesting facts. Here, again, I'm on Baltimore City Water. I mentioned that earlier. And out of the tap in my kitchen, which is about, oh, 50 feet from where I'm sitting right now, out of the tap, my calcium harness reading is about 50 to 60 parts per million. I have very soft water. That's where the terms soft water and hard water come from. Soft water has low numbers. Hard water, increasingly high numbers. Okay. And you can tell whether you have hard water or soft water. And the, the way the, the scenario I explain is that you're, you're standing in the shower and you're and you and you soaked up and then you go to rinse off. Okay. The problem is that if you've ever rinsed off and you still felt kind of, hey, what's the right word? Scummy. <laughs> Sorry. If you feel like you haven't rinsed off completely, that means you have very hard water. Okay, the softer the water, the easiest to rinse off and feel clean, squeaky clean, okay? But if you still feel scummy, it's hard water, and you have to keep on rinsing until it finally, finally goes away. Now, the important thing is you need to know what your incoming calcium harness water source is before you really do anything, whether it's a municipal system or from a well. Wells are typically low, typically low, not all the time. Um, city water systems will vary. Like I said here, Baltimore, it's it's five, 50 to 60 parts per million. My in-laws, uh, when they were alive, lived in Ocala, Florida. And in Ocala, um, because of the water levels, uh, groundwater levels, um, out of the tap in my mother-in-law's kitchen, uh, her calcium harness reading was about 300 parts per million. Okay, pretty high for potable water. Great for pools, but pretty high for potable water. Let's travel to Anaheim, California. Um, years ago when the international uh, show was in Anaheim, and I am dating myself because it was the late 80s, uh, excuse me, late 90s, um, stayed in the Hilton, which was kind of across the street back then. It was just a block or two away from Disneyland. I remember that. And for shits and giggles, I decided to uh, test the water in my hotel room. Everything came out great except for the calcium hardness reading. 800 parts per million. Yes, that's right, folks. 800 parts per million. That kind of explained the little white crusty deposits around the faucet and the, and the, and the sink and the drain and whatnot. But anyhow, um, then let's go a little more east from Anaheim. And let's travel to Phoenix. Uh, love Phoenix. Nice, nice area. Uh, beautiful mountain, copper mountains surrounding it. It's just beautiful area. However, water's not that great. Out of the ground, you can have levels of calcium hardness in the 1,500 to 2,000 parts per million range. 
Yes, that's right. Wayne said it. 1,500 to 2,000 parts per million calcium hardness. Sorry, Phoenix. So what do you do? Well, in those situations, you kind of, you have a couple options. One is work with what you get. And so you have a really, 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 really high calcium hardness reading. And in order to make sure water balance is still fine and proper and dandy, you keep the other values lower. And again, this will all become pretty explanatory when I talk about a separate broadcast about water balance. So what's another option? Well, some people I know will run <coughs> their pool water through a separate system. Reverse osmosis, RO. You might have seen that. And what that does is it removes the calcium ions to a degree. You're still not going to have really, really high, really low levels. You're still going to have relatively high levels, but they're going to be a little bit more controllable. Okay. Stainless scale control products can lower a bit. You don't want a bit. Using these portable RO systems can be pricey. So you want to, you want to, prevent that kind of thing. It's 59 degrees here in Baltimore on January 4th at 1.30 in the afternoon. Who would have known? Anyhow, um, so be very conscious of your incoming water. And that, and in that, anytime you go to a new account, always double check the source water, even though it might be an area that you're familiar with. Okay. Don't take, don't take that for granted. Okay. Test the incoming water so you so you got a good starting port, particularly with new builds. Okay, you want to know what that calcium hardness reading because the whole process of startup with new gunite pools. And I'm not an expert on this; other people in, in our group are. But the problem is that if you don't allow the water to acclimate itself to all of this calcium that's in the gunite and the, and the and the surface of the water. And as the water's filling up, if it has a really, really low level and you of calcium hardness, like under 200, under 100 parts per million, uh, you've just shot yourself in the foot because, and I'm kind of jumping ahead here a bit, but water will always try to balance itself no matter what you do. And despite your best attempts. And it tries to balance itself by seeking calcium. Calcium carbonate. And where is that from? Gunite, grout, things of that nature. So I have heard the horror stories about freshly filled pools where the paint is chipped off, gunite pools where the paint is chipped off in over a day. I have not only heard about these, but I have experienced this. I do not have a pool. I know better. Mm. But our community pool, which is about a half mile from my house, it's a 150,000-gallon gunite pool. And in the state of Maryland, um, you have to have, if you don't have a service contract on a commercial pool, you have to have what's known as a CPO of record on file. That doesn't mean a CPO, a certified pool operator, has to be there all the time. No, it just has to be accessible. Well, I was the CPO of record um, for many years uh, for the pool uh, when I first moved to this area in 19... 19- whatever it was, 85, it was the was CPO of record for about 20 years or so. Um, so one summer, um, I remember at the end of the season, because Maryland's pool season usually goes from like May to September, you know, Memorial Day to Labor Day, give or take a month in either direction. 
I recommended at the end of one season that, that the pool needed to be painted. And I said, you know, and you can contract out, but you need to drain the water, you know, um, and that you know, hydrostatic pressure relief valve, all that other stuff involved. It. Drain the water, um, get off, get off all the old paint, remove the old paint, repaint it, and you can contract out to whomever you want to to do it. And then I made the mistake of going on vacation for two weeks. This was in September now, end of September. When I get back, my um, voicemail is just jam-packed with calls from the community pool. Wayne, you got to call us. We got a problem. Wayne, call us. Where are you? Where are you? Blah, blah, blah. Called them back. And I said, what's going on? I just got back from vacation. And the, and, and the guy said, the manager said, you need to come to the pool right now. Well, right now? Yes, right now. Okay, so in the two minutes it took me to get there, as soon as I walked up to the pool, I saw exactly what happened. Because they didn't listen to me when they refilled the pool, and what I told them was, knowing that we had very, very low calcium harness water, I said, as the water level increases, you need to add calcium chloride to it so that the water doesn't pull it out of the sides of the pool. Well, they didn't listen because they didn't want to spend the money to buy all the calcium chloride that was needed. And after they filled it up, three days later, 99% of the paint had chipped off and fallen to the bottom. And I told them that. I said, I gave you explicit instructions on what to do. They didn't listen because they didn't want to spend money to buy the calcium chloride. They thought that they could get away with it. Well, that that get away with it cost them about $5,000 in repairs. So... That's why it's critical, particularly in startups, that you pay attention to your calcium hardness level. Um, so that's it for today. I've talked enough. I've coughed enough. Um, you've seen this yellow shirt enough for today. Um, everybody have a great, wonderful day. Uh, if you have any questions or would like to send me over some ideas for topics, please uh, send an email to talkingpools at gmail.com. And I'll be able to help you with those. They'll be forwarded to me and I'll address them at a later broadcast. Uh, with all that being said, everyone, enjoy the day, enjoy the week, enjoy the month, um, and happy 2023. Take care. Bye-bye. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 